There are a lot of ways to say quit. Stop. Cease and desist. Retreat. Run away. Give up. Surrender. While quitting usually has negative connotations, it's often what we quit and who we quit that serves as the margin of victory or defeat. It's knowing when to say no to things that can save us the most. Competing with culture, yelling at loved ones, lying to your friends, feeding your addictions, sinking further into debt and clinging to bitterness. None of these things are serving you or the people you care about the most. So what's stopping you from saying I quit to things that can destroy you and your loved ones? In this series at AC, we will explore how to say I quit and cast off the burdens that are holding you back from living your best life in Christ. All right. Well, again, good morning. We're glad you're here today. I want to welcome those of you tuning in online. Thanks for being a part of the experience wherever you are today. Well, again, happy St. Patrick's Day. And today we're starting a brand new series that we're calling I Quit. A lot of times in life when we think about things like that we need to do to like really fully embrace who God is and this plan that he has for our life, a lot of times we think about things we need to start doing. Uh, But oftentimes it's the things that we need to quit doing that really make the difference in us stepping into our calling and stepping into God's purpose and really uh, receiving all that he has for us in our lives. And so during this series, we're going to look at the things we need to quit in order to experience God's best for our lives. So why don't we just get started? Just look at your neighbor and say, I quit. I quit. I'm over it. I'm done, right? With some stuff that's holding me back, not throwing in the towel in a bad way, but saying there's going to be some things that I quit. In fact, today is uh, St. Patrick's Day, and um, I kind of have a pet peeve that I felt like it's my duty to educate people about St. Patrick because he's such an amazing man of God, really, and sometimes our culture can take uh, something like St. Patrick and somehow turn it into uh, an excuse to, to do things that maybe he wouldn't be that, that proud of. Uh, let's just say it that way. Uh, but St. Patrick was actually a missionary from Britain uh, who went to Ireland and he was um, captive, taken captive as a 16-year-old boy and became a slave in Ireland. Uh, and somehow about six years into that, uh, in, when he was in captivity, was able to escape. Uh, he was able to get back to his home and, and back to his family in Britain. And while he was back there, God began to work in his life and began to say, I want you to go back to Ireland and, and to go back with the purpose of telling others about who I am and to see that nation who had no Christian, uh, Christian people, had no background to see them come to Christ. And so uh, he wrestled with this calling for a while. He struggled with it and wasn't sure about it and delayed actually uh, going back. But finally, he just couldn't uh, delay any longer with the conviction of God. And, and so he goes back and uh, the story goes on to be told that he saw over 100,000, not just converts, people that he baptized, 100,000 people, started over 300 churches, and to this day, that is why we celebrate St. Patrick's Day on March 17th, isn't about going out and and having fun and just, you know, doing whatever uh, the world does on those things, but it's actually the day that we celebrate his death. 
that he gave his life and sacrificed his life and left his home and his family to embrace the calling that God had on his life. He said, I quit to all of his excuses and stepped into his calling. And here today, uh, hundreds of years later, we're still telling his story and talking about the difference that he made. And and there's some similarities between his story and who we're going to look at today in Scripture in the life of Moses about how we first have to get rid of this I can't mindset if we are going to quit some of the things we need to quit to fully embrace what God has for us because there're going to be times and seasons in life where we will face what seem to be insurmountable problems, what what seem to be impossible odds. Maybe it's through health or broken relationships or addiction, unforgiveness, insecurities, financial debt uh, that's crushing you under its burden, right? The battle uh, to to just overcome things. And so today we're going to talk about how that starts in our minds and how we have to get what's in our head into our hearts to really be able to embrace what God has for us. In Luke 18, 27, these were Jesus' words. He said this, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And you've probably heard that before. Uh, it, it, this isn't, for most of you, probably a passage that, that you, you haven't heard of or you haven't seen before. But I think sometimes we, we can just kind of skim over it and not really understand its full meaning. To think about what I just said, what Jesus said. What is impossible with man, like what is impossible just with you, like you getting over it, you breaking the addiction, your marriage being restored, right? Like you getting out of that, all these things that we need to step into to really embrace and and to fulfill God's call in my life. We would go, I don't think it's possible. God, you just, he says, what is impossible with you is possible with God. There was a, a few years ago an Adidas commercial that said impossible is nothing. That you have to have that kind of mentality when it comes to certain things in your life that you need to quit where you go, listen, I may not be able to do this. This would be impossible with me, but with God, anything is possible. You gotta believe that. You gotta get that into your heart. You gotta get that into your spirit. You have to believe it because scripture says in order to, you gotta believe it before you'll actually see it. That we live by faith and not by sight. That if you want to see yourself free, if you want to see God move, you got to believe in your heart that God can do it. That you got to get that into you. That if you want to be free, you have to believe that you can be free. you got to believe that anything is possible with God. There are stories throughout the Bible, especially the Old Testament, where ordinary people like you and me uh, face what seem to be impossible callings. What seem to be uh, assignments given by God that seem to be impossible for us to fulfill. And today we're going to look at the life of Moses in the very beginning of his story uh, to, to prove that what is impossible for man is nothing for God. It's nothing for him. To give you a little bit of background on Moses' story, if you haven't seen the Disney film Prince of Egypt, if you haven't, I'd recommend it. But, but Moses was born to a Hebrew mother in the time of Egyptian forced killings of the firstborns. And so the group of people that the, Egypt, the Egyptians had enslaved, the God's people, the Israelites, and they were growing in number. And so the, the Pharaoh issued, hey, all the firstborn sons, we need to kill them before they overtake us. And so that's happening. Moses' mother uh, puts him in a basket, sends him down a river to save his life. And it happens to be Pharaoh's daughter uh, who finds him and 
and who adopts him into to, to the royal family. So he goes, grows up as a prince in Pharaoh's kingdom, the most powerful man in the earth at that time. And uh, the uh, Egyptians, again, were, were being cruel to the Israelite slaves. And, and Moses sees this Egyptian kill uh, uh, one of the Hebrew slaves, and it, he becomes enraged, in fact, so much so that he goes and, and kills the man. Uh, who was beating this Egyptian. And so Pharaoh finds out, issues kind of a, a, a warrant for his arrest and his death. And Moses flees to Midian, uh, where he then kind of starts a new life. So he was 40 years old. He flees to Midian. Uh, and he's 40 years into his journey there. He now has a family, a father-in-law. And he's out doing his normal thing, work in the field. And God appears to him. And and a burning bush experience happens where God encompasses with fire this burning bush and begins to audibly speak to Moses. First says, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. And so Moses does that. And then God begins to speak to him. And through that, he's calling him to go back to the very place that he was enslaved, where he was, where his people were enslaved, where they were out for his life. Come on, like St. Patrick, he says, you need to go back because I got a purpose for you to accomplish back where you came from, and Moses is saying, I can't, like, who am I to go to Pharaoh? How is he going to listen to me, right? Like, there's like a million plus Hebrews, like, you want me to go, and I got to first convince them that, that I'm the one who's going to lead them out of slavery, and then I got to convince Pharaoh. And so Moses begins to reply to God in verse 13 of chapter 3, and it says this, Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. That includes you and me. He says, this is who I am. What should I say? What should I do? He says, I am who I am. This speaks of a God who is self-sufficient, who is self-existent, who is all-encompassing, who is without limitations, the one being in the universe who is not dependent of, a, of something else for his existence. Yahweh means the Lord. Yahweh is derived from the Hebrew word of I am. It is the proper name of divine person coming from the verb which means to exist and to be before anything else. So when God goes to Moses and tells him that Pharaoh's gonna, you need to do these things and you're gonna lead my people out of slavery, obviously Moses is scared. He needs some reassurance. He needs to know that God is bigger than the problem that he's facing and that God would carry him through, that even if the people wouldn't listen to them, they would listen to the one who sent him. So God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to them. I am has sent me to you. Yahweh, the God who is of authority and great power. So Moses is having this burning bush experience. He's hearing the voice of God. He's hearing the name of God. And God is assuring him of his power. In chapters three through four of Exodus, he begins to give four reasons why he is not the one to fulfill this calling that God is calling him to. This assignment is too big for Moses. And so I think we can all identify with these struggles that Moses had. The first thing that he says to God, he says, I am unworthy of this great task. Who am I? He says in verses 11 through 12a, he says, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel 
out of Egypt. And then God answered this way. He said, I will be with you. So what God is saying, he's saying, it doesn't matter who you are, Moses. I am the I am. And I am with you. So it doesn't matter who you think you are. Moses probably felt like you and I do sometimes, that who am I for God to use me? God can use someone like me. Does God know my past? Does he know the current struggles that I'm facing? The addiction I've yet to break in my life? Does he know the strain in my marriage? Does he know all these things? Yet he says, I'm, I, I can, that, that God wants to use me. And so Moses is feeling probably like you and I do sometimes, where I'm unworthy. God, I am a, a murderer who was adopted. I don't even know my family. I don't even know what's going on. And, and you want me to go back? You think you can use me? He felt unworthy of his calling. Maybe you feel that way too because of your past, because of maybe your present, that God can't use someone like you, that you can't overcome, you can't do what God's called you to do. Moses felt unworthy. Second, he says, God, I'm, I'm inadequate. He protested. He said, he said, I don't have adequate knowledge. I'm inadequate. I, if I go to the people and tell them who, who the God of your ancestors sent me, they're gonna ask me, well, what is his name? He goes, I don't even know your name. What am I gonna tell them? I don't know enough about the Bible. For God to use me, I don't even know about the Bible. Kyle's talking about Moses. I don't even know who Moses is. I don't know enough. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the, the, the education for God to use me. And God says to Moses, he first says, I will be with you. And then he says, I am who I am. All you need to tell the people is that I am has sent me to you. I will speak for you. He says, I will be with you. And I will be what you need me to be. So despite God's display of power, think about the context here. Moses is literally watching a bush burn and not be consumed. God's voice is coming from the bush. So he's seeing this amazing display of God's power, of his authority. But despite God's display of power, Moses immediately doubted his purpose. Why does that happen to us? We see God, we hear God, we sense God, and then immediately we doubt what he's saying. This is why, because when God speaks, the enemy shouts even louder. And immediately, Moses begins to hear about his past. He begins to hear about every insecurity he has. You're not good enough, Moses. You You ran for your life. You were in fear, right? You're just an adopted murderer. Who do you think you are, right? He begins to whisper his past. He begins to shout into his life, right? He begins to, uh, to tell him how inadequate he is and how insufficient he is and that God could never use someone like him. And God answers Moses when he says, who am I to do this? I'm unworthy. He says, it doesn't matter who you are. It matters who I am. And the I am will be with you. And then he says, and I will be what you need me to be. I am who I am can also be translated, I will be be what I will be. So he's telling to Moses, I am will be with you and I will be whatever you need me to be. So where you are insufficient, where you are inadequate, where you lack, I will make it up. I am who I am is with you. He says, I'm inadequate. I'm unworthy. He says, I'm powerless. That was the third reason he gave. He says, I lack the power. Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me or they listen to me? Who am I? I don't have the authority to speak to Pharaoh. Who am I that they would listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? 
I don't have the power to do what you're calling me to do, God. And God answers in another very convincing demonstration of his divine power by the instant creation of a snake. He, Moses is holding his staff. He's a shepherd. He says, throw down your staff, and it turns into a snake. That would have been my cue to run. I don't know about y'all. I'd have been like, I'm out. Like, all right, God. And Moses stays, and he says, now pick it back up. And he picks it back up, and it turns back into a staff. He says, Moses, put your hand in your cloak, and he sticks his hand in his cloak. He says, now pull it out, and it was diseased. It was glowing white. It was, it was leprosy or something had come across his skin. And he said, and it, can you imagine, right? You're like, like my hand, and then he says, now stick it back in, and he puts it back in, and it was healed again. He was whole. So God says, it's not about your power, Moses. It's not about your knowledge. It's not about your worthiness. It's about who I am. It's about my power. Moses is 80 years old at this point in his life. I don't know about you, but when I'm 80, I hope I'm not preaching anymore. I hope I'm on the beach somewhere, stuck in a sand trap, trying to get the ball. You know, that's what I hope to be doing. Moses is 80. He's got a family. He's got a whole new life in Midian. He's going, God, I'm too old. I don't have the energy anymore. Like this calling, there's a million plus Israelites. You, you expect me to lead these people? And if you know the rest of the story, right, it's a very challenging journey for 40 more years that he has to lead these people through. He's saying, I don't, I don't have the power. I don't have the ability. I don't have the energy to do this. And God said, it's not about your power. It's about my power. We're not gonna do this in a way where people go, Moses gets the credit. We're gonna do it in a way where I get the credit. It's about my power and my glory. So if that wasn't enough, Moses still needed some convincing. It's like at this point, he's like grasping for straws and he goes, well, God, I'm unskilled. I haven't developed the skill set to be your voice for people. Verses 10 through 13, it says, he pleaded with the Lord. Think about this. It's a burning bush that's talking to him. And he's doubting what God is saying. And he's, he's pleading with this bush. He's pleading with God. He says, God, Lord, you know I'm not very good with words. I never have been and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied. My words get tangled. So he had a stuttering problem. He couldn't get words out clearly. He says, who, and this, and this is how God answers him. He says, I can't speak for you. God goes, who makes a person's mouth? Who makes it? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? This passage goes on to say that the Lord begins to get frustrated with Moses. He begins to get angry with him. It's kind of like when your kid, you've told him over a hundred times to stop or to quit or no, you're not getting it, and they just keep asking you, right? And God goes, what else am I gonna have to say to you? I made you, I created you, I can do whatever I want to do. And Moses again pleaded with the Lord. Lord, please, send somebody else. It can't be me. Then God goes on and says, all right, still not enough, your brother Aaron's coming in, he's coming into town. Aaron will be your voice, so I'll speak to you, you speak to Aaron, he'll speak on my behalf. So Moses runs out of excuses. But what's even cool to see is is if you read the rest of the story, Moses eventually overcomes that, even his speaking problem, and he becomes the main voice to Pharaoh and God's people. That God even used the very thing 
that Moses didn't even think he could do, that he said, it wasn't, it's not about your skill set. It's not about your giftings. It's about me and what I'm gonna do. And again, I am who I am, says I will be who you need me to be. And you may lack the skills necessary for the assignment, Moses, but I am more than enough. I will be the one who speaks through you. You go and you do what I tell you to do. That's what he said. He said, now go, Moses, go. You see, God can speak to you. In this series, he's gonna speak to you. There's gonna be things that he says you need to quit. You need to move on. You need to go, but it's going to be up to you whether or not you go. He doesn't force his way. He says, you act in faith. Moses had to act in faith. He says, you're not enough, Moses, but I am enough. And to move past our insecurities, to move past our inabilities, to move past our I can't mindset, we have to understand who God is. And for many of you, I believe you lack the full understanding of who God really is. Because before you can know who you are, you have to know the I am. Before you can know who you are, you have to know who he is. So who is God? The first term that God used said, I am, and he says, I am Yahweh, which refers who he is and his absolute faithfulness, that this is a God who is absolute in faithfulness. Next, the Bible says that he is Elohim, which indicates infinite power and sovereignty over the universe. And finally, God is referred to as Adonai in scripture, which means ruler over all. So he is the ruler over all, who is sovereign over the entire universe and is absolutely faithful to do what he's called you to do. That's who God is. Then we get to the New Testament, and the English word for Yahweh is Jehovah. And Jehovah is an artificial term made by combining the vowels of Adonai, which means ruler over all, with the consonants of Y-H-W-Y, Yahweh. They get the word Jehovah. And in the New Testament, Jehovah is simply translated the Lord. He is the Lord. And so let's take a look for a moment I'm gonna go through some of the names of God that we find in scripture. And this is just a few. But this is who he is. And because this is who he is, this means this is who you are. He says that he is Jehovah, Elohim, the Lord, God of gods, the Lord, mighty, powerful, strong, one who rules over all. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that who will provide. He is Jehovah Misi, the Lord who is my refuge in the storm. He is Jehovah Majin, who is the Lord is my shield in battle. He's Jehovah Musi, who is the Lord is my fortress. He's Jehovah Mephalti, which is the Lord who is my deliverer. He is Jehovah Nisi, who is the Lord is my banner during the battle. He's Jehovah Ori, the Lord who is my light. He's Jehovah Rafi, the Lord Lord, who is our healer. He's Jehovah Rohi, the Lord who is my shepherd who leads my life. He's Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who is my peace in the midst of chaos. He's Jehovah Shama, the Lord who is always there. He's Jehovah Sikinu, who is the Lord is our righteousness. He is Emmanuel, the God who is with us. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning from the end who was and is still to come. That is who he is. And because, yeah, you can give God praise for that. First service had about half as many people that got a little bit louder, but I'll let it pass today. But that is who he is, and I'm telling you, because that is who he is, that is who you are. 
I can't is a mindset that doesn't belong in a follower of Jesus. He said, impossible is nothing with me. So why do you keep believing that? Why do you allow the devil to speak into your life and into your mind? You gotta know who God is so you know who you are. The band's coming, and as they do, you see, having the right view of the Lord allows you to approach him with confidence. Hebrews says you can approach the throne of God with absolute confidence, with no fear. This is who God is, the one who appeared to Moses in a burning bush. This is the same God that you serve today. And when we know who he is, we know that he'll hear us, that he'll answer us. We'll remember that he is absolute in his faithfulness, that he is infinite in his power. But too many of us buy the lie of the enemy. We begin to tell ourselves, again, when God speaks, the enemy shouts. We begin to buy the lie of the enemy. I'm not good enough. I can't be who God's called me to be. There's no way I can ever change. My grandma was that way. My mom was that way. This is just the way that I am. I can't change. I can't break free from this addiction. God can't use me. I won't be able to live and fulfill God's purpose for my life. This is just what I got to deal with. This is just who I am. And the only way to drown out the doubts and the noise of the enemy in our minds is to be transformed by the way we think. And we're transformed. Romans 12, 2 says, don't conform any longer to the pattern in this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The lies of the enemy are defeated with the truth of God's word. You are not who you think you are. You are not who your dad said you were. You are not who you feel like you are. You are who he says you are. And to know who you are, you have to know whose you are. And you are a son and a daughter of the God who's all-powerful, who's all-knowing, who is seated in heaven, who rules over all. You see, my son, he gets what I have because he's my son. What is mine is his. My daughter, because she is my daughter, she gets what I have. What's mine is hers. You are a son, you are a daughter of God. But if you don't believe it, you'll never see it. If the enemy can keep you in a rut where you buy his lies, you'll never experience the freedom that God has for you. And you are renewed. You become who God has called you to be by transforming the way you think. And you transform the way you think by defeating the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word. And the Bible says it's the truth of God's word. And the truth will set you free. You want to be free? Believe it. I could try to preach with more passion. I could do this every week and try to tell you who you are in God, but I'm telling you, you gotta believe it for yourself. You gotta get it in your heart. You are a son, you are a daughter of God who's all powerful, who is with you. And so instead of saying, I'm not good enough, you gotta start saying, I am a child of God. I can be who he's called me to be. I am a more than a conqueror, not because of me, but because of Christ who is in me. I can't change. Don't say I can't change. Say I can change. I can do all things. Not because of me, but because of the one who lives in me. Instead of saying, I'm not sure if I can make a difference. I'm not sure if God can fulfill his purpose for my life. You say, I will make a difference with my life. I will be who God's called me to be. And so instead of saying, I can't, I'm not, I don't know. You say, I am a child of God. I can do all things. I will do all things. Not because of me, but because of him. Every day you get up. God, I am, I can, I will, because you are. God, I am, I can, and I will, 
because you are. And the enemy will go, you can't. And you go, you're right, I can't. But he can't. I can't do it. He can do it. Anything is possible. I am. I can. And I will. Not because of me, but because he is. I am. I can. I will. Because he is. God was faithful to Moses. You know the rest of the story goes on and God performs many miracles and it wasn't easy but God was with him he leads the people through the Red Sea God parts the sea and they walk across and they're right on the edge of going into the promised land and Moses doesn't make it his life ends before but then the baton is handed to Joshua and Joshua was Moses' protege and he takes over for Moses and begins to lead God's people into the promised land that he had but they had some battles to get through so that they could get where God had called them to go and they had to cross the Jordan River and it was at flood stage. The highest, the waters are rushing. And the, the priests, they come out carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which was the presence of God. And their feet hit the water and the waters part. And God's people once again walk through on dry ground. And then they get to Jericho and they got walls surrounding the city that they need to conquer to get through. And God says, Joshua, march around the city for seven days. Six days, they march around one time each and they are blowing horns and trumpets and praising God. On the seventh day, he said, go seven times. And on the seventh time, you shout, you give me all the praise, all the glory, give me all the honor, and I will do what you can't do. So they begin to shout and the walls of Jericho crumble down and they flee in fear for their lives and God's people take the promised land that he had for them. You go on, you keep flipping through the pages of the Old Testament through scripture. You'll come across somebody like Gideon who had insurmountable odds and impossible assignment. And God takes his army down from 20,000 down to 300. And he goes, God, what are you doing? He says, I'm going to do in a way where you don't get any credit. So he takes 300 men and they make thousands flee. The presence of God. And we come across a little shepherd boy named David. His dad said, go take your brothers up some lunch. And he goes out to the battlefield because he wasn't even worthy of being in God's army. There's a giant who's cursing the name of God and this small shepherd boy, not in his own power, but in the power of God, steps up and slays the giant. And we know his story to this day. Listen, God was faithful then. Hebrews 13, 8 says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change, church. That same God that appeared to Moses can appear to you. And if he did it then, why can't he do it again? Why can't he? You may go, well, where's the God of Moses? I don't see God showing up like that. I don't see him doing that. All I know is my Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it's maybe not the question is where's the God of Moses? Is where are the Moses of God? Where are those who are going to step out in faith and trust me? Where are those who are going to get rid of the I can't mindset and say, I can, I will, I will do what God's called me to do. Not because of me, but because of who he is. It doesn't matter how insufficient, inadequate. It doesn't matter my past mistakes. Man, I'm going to believe God is who he is. I'm going to step into my calling. I'm going to embrace what he has for me. My marriage will be restored. I will get out of debt. I will break free from the bitterness. I will find healing in my life. God can do it if you'll believe him for it. If he did it then, I'm telling you, he can do it again. In Exodus 14, 13 through 14, Moses, again, is leading God's people. They're afraid. He says, don't be afraid. Just stand still. Watch what the Lord is going to do. He's going to rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. 
for the Lord himself will fight for you. You just need to stay calm. You see, that's the faith that you can have when you follow God in obedience. You go, God, this isn't on me. Some of you, you stepped out in faith last fall for our next initiative. You're giving sacrificially more than you ever have before. Your job is to obey. God's job is to be faithful. And once you step out in obedience to what God has spoken to you to do, it's on him. It's not on you anymore. Moses says, this ain't on us. This is on him. He knows who I am. I'm a stutterer. I'm just an adopted murderer. It's not on me, guys. It's not on It's, it's on him. Watch, watch what God will do. God was faithful. Romans 8, 11, the apostle Paul, he says this, in that same spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, he now lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies. You are mortal. He is immortal. He will give you life. And by the same spirit that's living within you. Jesus said, listen, guys, he rose from the dead. He said, now I got to go. But God is going to send one, the Holy Spirit, who is even more powerful than me. So I got to go so he can come. So when he comes, you will be able to fulfill the plan and the purpose and the calling that God has for your life. Do you believe it? See this series, we're going to talk about some stuff that you got to quit. Some of you, you've got to quit some things that you've been doing your whole life. Some of you got to quit some things that you don't want to quit yet. And you're going, I can't do it. I don't have the strength. I don't have the power. God's going to go, yes, you can. You can and you will. Not because of you, but because of me. Every excuse Moses gave him, God had an answer. And it was always, I will be with you. I will speak for you. I am sufficient. I will be who you've called me to be. And Jesus said, now you have more power than Moses had. Then David had, then Gideon had, then Joshua had. He says, he's the same. And that is the God that you serve. But it takes you stepping out in faith, stepping into your calling to see God move. We live by faith and not by sight. Would you stay in with me today? We're gonna sing this song. And I just want for this series, for this to get in your heart today. Anything is possible with God. Get rid of that mindset. Anything is possible with God. What is impossible for you is possible with God. Anything is possible with God. You got to believe that so you'll see it. You got to believe it so you'll be free. The God that we've described to you today, he's the same. The same God that Moses served, that he encountered in the burning bush is the same God that you serve. The same God that parted the Red Sea and the Jordan River, that made the walls of Jericho fall down is the God that you serve. The God that sent thousands of flight with an army of 300 is the God that you serve. The God that slayed Goliath with just a small shepherd boy and a few stones is the God that you serve. And if you'll get that in your heart, if you'll get that in your spirit, maybe we can have some more St. Patrick's in this place. You say, God, I'll leave it all for the sake of your call. I'll walk away from the job. I'll walk away from the house. I'll sell the thing. I don't care. God, I want what you want. And God goes, that's who I'm looking for. That's who I can use. Today, I'm going to pray for this series that God is going to disrupt, disrupt your life. I know you may go, don't, don't, don't pray that, Pastor. <laughs> that he will disrupt you because it's the, when he disrupts your life, it's when you can begin to dream. To get you out of the rut, the stagnant, the mundane. Listen, nothing should ever be boring about following God. You should see the miraculous in your life. You should see God moving in your conversations and 
wherever you go. He's the same. He hasn't changed. Maybe we haven't.